babies are smart if you let them flourish. But so are older folk. So why force them to retire as some nations like England still do? Professor Herbert Huppert from Bondi, who's been a fellow of King's Cambridge, has been doing some sums. The last four presidents of the Distinguished Royal Society, the oldest scientific society still in existence, who have died, have had dementia, including the imaginative, broad intellectual Australian Lord May, or Bob May, as he was known to almost all. Bob wanted to be known as Lord May of Wallara, the place of his Sydney upbringing, but the Garter Knight of Arms, who on meeting Bob, in order to hear his decision on this matter, said, Firstly, let this be an informal meeting, and just call me Garter. And no, you can't be Lord May of Wallara because it must be a town in the United Kingdom. Bob backed down and decided on Lord May of Oxford, apparently forgetting Lord Rutherford of Nelson in New Zealand, one of Bob's very few oversights or errors. Anyway, I mentioned to a very clever friend the fact that the last four presidents had died with dementia. Not surprising, she replied. Presidents must be living longer and longer lives, like all of us, and thus more likely to have dementia. My quantitative mind immediately thought, there has been a new president every five years for centuries, so I can look back at the records and examine her statement with care. Somewhat to my surprise, I found that the length of life over the last 150 years, taken 50 years at a time, that is, presidents who served for five years at a time from 1850 to 1900, 1900 to 1950, and 1950 to 2000, hardly varied at all, being 81, 83.5, and 83. At the same time, the average length of life in the UK has steadily risen from 40 in 1850 to 69 in 2000. Ah, but ah, you say, presidents can't be elected until they are already quite old and distinguished. However, the age of election has not really changed much over the last 150 years, remaining fairly constant at 60. As far as length of life is concerned, by contrast, Australian prime ministers from 1900 to 1950 have lived on average, for 75 years, and those from 1950 to 2000, some 80 years. The election of Fellows of the Royal Society, a vast majority of whom have been male, lived a life that increased on average almost linearly, from 72 between 1850 and 1900 to 80 between 1950 and 2000 although the age of election over the same period has not changed at all that much, from 46 to 53. Somewhat disgustingly, women were not elected as fellows to the Royal Society until 1945. So far, only 198 have been elected, of whom 58 have died at a mean age of 83 years, very similar to that of the presidents. Given the generally longer life of women... This result is rather surprising. Deviating for a moment from the question of the length of life, 
The Royal Society originated in 1660 from a dining club, which started meeting in 1620 and is still going with regular meetings. The oldest dining club in the world. When the first women to be elected to the dining club went to a dinner at the Athenaeum, she was barred from entry. No women allowed. That has now changed and about time. The conclusion of my evaluations, aside from proving my friend incorrect, are that if you wish to live a long life, aim to become president of the Royal Society, as difficult a task as that might be. Good luck. And thanks H-squared, that's his nickname, Herbert Huppert at King's College, Cambridge, where he was made to retire in his 60s. They do the same at Oxford. By the way, in figures just published last week, the top countries for life expectancy were first Japan, second Switzerland, third South Korea, fourth Spain, and fifth Australia. All in the mid-80s, apparently, which means universities with compulsory retirement could be missing out on 20 years of productivity. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.